If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Strictly Sports. I'm Jacob Brown. Joined here with CJ Yuri and Steve Cashin. There's a lot going on. We got NFL stuff. It's Thanksgiving week. NBA free agency and trades have been going crazy in the last week or two. Uh, we're going to have short sports today, betters corner, Steve's college football rant. All that's coming up for you today. So we were just talking before we got on the pod about uh, our laptops. CJ, I mean, you, you've been having some trouble there with your uh, your charging situation. Yeah, you know what? I, I just want to open up uh, the show, which I know uh, nobody listening really cares, but I care. So I'm going to say it. Apple, you guys are frauds. I hate the fact <laughs> that they take out these slots on the laptop so that you have to buy a cord that plugs into the slot that has more slots. And that box is like 70 bucks online. It's such a scam. It's ridiculous. And I'm just saying, taking my money. Microsoft, I'm going to get a, I'm getting a different brand computer. I'm sick of it. I'll tell you right now, I would have a different phone. Like I would have a different phone brand other than an iPhone. If there was like no such thing as iMessaging, like iMessaging is so clutch because you don't need like LTE or, or, you know what I mean? You just need to be in Wi-Fi. Um, So that's that way it works for like a computer or an iPad or something. But honestly, I would have a different phone if it wasn't for that. Um, yeah, even Steve, Steve, I think referred to them as a drug cartel. Which yeah, like- they're like they're like heroin addicts. You know, they get you hooked <laughs> and they they make you come back and keep buying your products. You know, you have new phones now, with no chargers. To buy AirPods, to buy sixteen different cords, adapters. You know, my iPhone six holds a charge for about five minutes for the plug it back in. And I'm a do for a new phone, but damn. It, like the percentage now is down to like only 50% capacity. It's bullshit. Jesus. They keep make you keep buying in and yeah, I, I don't buy, I don't drink the Kool-Aid. I don't, that's why I have an HP laptop. Steve, you do know that they're on like iPhone 10 right now, right? Uh, <laughs> iPhone 12. Actually, I'm getting one for Christmas. Don't worry. We're upgrading. I've had this iPhone 4C for years. Yo, I don't know if you guys saw, 4C. but like over the last few weeks, like during the NFL, they've, they've like, um, They've, uh, like, there's been commercials for this new phone that, like, like folds, like, a folder into a, like, pad. But when it folds, it's small enough to fit in your pocket. Then you open it up, and it's, like, dual screens. It's pretty dope. Is it Apple? It looks bad, eh? No, it cannot be possibly Apple. They, they're not no, that no, creative. No, not yeah, no. No, no. Apple, Apple, every device, they, they reduce your buttons. Yeah, and, and they make you buy like, more. That's the thing. Yeah, you got to buy more buttons. <laughs> yeah, no, I heard yeah, this year. Uh, yeah, with the new phone, dollars here. Yeah, I heard with the new phone, you got to get a new block, and the you can't use the charging block with any other phone. You can only use the charging block to charge the new phone, and it doesn't yeah, even see, come this with is, it. This, this is how they get you. It's, oh, it's okay. 
we're going to make you buy X amount of accessories to go with your phone. No longer an Apple guy. No longer. Hey, no, I did see, though, didn't they get sued in court for uh, they actually got caught dumbing down the batteries so that people could get new phones? Like, yeah, that's actually no, a real that. thing. They, no, they did that. that. That happened to me. I had the eight, the, the 16 gig phone and they, they released a software update uh, that purposely bugged your phone out to where it couldn't handle the software update. And they, yeah, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. Anyway, Jesus. that's my uh, Apple uh, big tech uh, um, rant the day so i'm i'm no longer an apple guy there you go yeah well hey i mean our pods on apple podcast and hopefully they're not listening to this and they just uh kick us off but uh we'll see uh we we, you know go ahead go right ahead apple kick us off we don't need you uh but we really do actually so uh so uh we'll, we'll hope that we don't get complained on so it's thanksgiving week we got a bunch of games we're gonna start off with short sports real quick here I'm going to go over the games from last week. So we got Arizona Cardinals losing to the Seattle Seahawks 28-21. And the Rams beat the Bucks on Monday Night Football. So now there's a two-way tie instead of a three-way tie at the top of the NFC West. We're going to talk about who's going to win the NFC West later in the pod. The Browns barely beat the Eagles 22-17. I'm telling you, Baker limits this team. This team could be so much better. I'd be so hyped for this Browns team right now. If it weren't for Baker Mayfield, that offense is lacking because of him. Uh, There's been games where they should have scored a lot more points, and they actually do. I saw a pass on Sunday on red zone. Baker completely missed a guy wide open in in the end zone. So they need a new quarterback very soon. Saints beat the Falcons 24-9 without Drew Brees. Then Washington beat Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, uh, he basically needs a new leg. Uh, If you saw the video, he got tackled. His body falls forward, and you're like, oh, boy. Uh, So Burrow, hopefully he gets well. We won't see him for quite a while. Panthers shut out the Lions. I I was literally thinking, I looked at the Sunday schedule. I was like, you know what? If the Vikings and Lions win today, they could low-key be in playoff position. But nope, Detroit was Detroit. They get blanked by Carolina. And then you see Minnesota losing to fucking Dallas. So these two teams, right when you get a glimmer of hope, they get right back down uh, to reality. Pittsburgh beat Jacksonville 27-3. to I'm telling you guys, Baltimore, they're still frauds. They lost 30-24 to to Tennessee. I am off the Baltimore train. CJ, I'm sorry to update you, but the Dolphins lost. Tua didn't look so hot. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the pod as well. Chargers beat the Jets. Colts beat the Packers. What have I been saying? Every single time the Packers play a team that's good, they lose. They lost 34-31 to the Colts. The Colts are legit people. They are a legit team. Best defense in the NFL. Then we got Dallas beating Minnesota, ending Minnesota's playoff hopes. Chiefs barely beating the Raiders. Raiders need some more attention. They're a good football team. Uh, And then, like I said, Monday Night Football, Rams beat the Bucs by a field goal. So, we got a lot of stuff going on. CJ, what were your takeaways from this weekend in the NFL? Um, here, yeah, I'm going to start off with the Browns here. Um, the, the Browns are going down a really dangerous path right now. And they're winning games. What are they? They're 7-3? and three? Yeah. 7-3, and three, yeah. So they're winning games. But here's the problem. They're beating like insanely inferior teams. Their last two wins are against the Houston Texans and the um, Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles, who – combine i think together with like five wins yeah so that's horrible those are two teams that are in the running for the number one pick 
no, or sorry, not number one, the Jets have that lockdown, but number two pick, number three pick, they, those are teams that are literally like in the running for a lottery type pick in the NFL. And yeah, they won, but both games were unbelievably ugly. Now I will say the Cleveland weather has been absolutely atrocious. If you guys have seen it's it's been raining, it's been like 40, 38 degrees outside. It's been windy. Uh, if not, it's in the high 40s or low 50s at any given time, but it's raining, it's windy, it's brutal out there. It's a tough environment to throw a football in. So I don't necessarily knock quarterbacks going in there to throw the football. It's a very tough spot to throw the football. I don't care if you're Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. It does not matter. Um, but I will tell you, the reason why I'm saying that they're going down a dangerous path right now is that they keep winning football games. And it's because of this defense in the run game. And what's going to happen is, is at the end of the year, you're going to probably be in a wild card spot. And you, what's going to happen is you're going to run into a good team away from Cleveland. You're going to get bounced round one and sent right back into, wait, we just won these games. Where do we go from here? We like Baker Mayfield is, was 10 and six as a starter this year. We owe him this money. What do we do? And that's why they're treading down this really dangerous path because it's like in the NFL, in my opinion, if you need a quarterback, suck to get one. If you in to be, I don't think Baker Mayfield is a long-term answer. And every and every franchise wants the long-term answer. So you're not going to get that long-term answer if you keep on winning games sloppy with your defense and your running game, and then you're going to get bounced around one wild card. So luckily for the Browns, this is a really deep QB draft. I don't expect them to take a QB. But you know who I could see in Cleveland would be like a late round pick, maybe early second round pick, Kyle Trask from, from the from oh. UF. I think he's a game manager. He's not going to turn mm-hmm. the ball over. He's he's six five. He's a big body. He's good. He, that's a that's a very good thing to play up in the AFC North, which is just a different type of football game up there because it's always cold. They play hard nosed football up there. Um, he doesn't have injury problems. So all, that's all. That's what I'm saying. It would be cool to see them take a flyer on him because I, I do want to see the Browns be legit for a while because they've been so bad for so long, and I don't think Baker's the, the answer. But that's why I sit here and say that they're treading down a dangerous path because when you keep winning football games ugly because your defense and your, your RBs, what happens down the line? Same thing happened with Joe Flacco and the Ravens. The, now, he had that unreal playoff run. They won a Super Bowl. They paid him an unreal amount of money. But what happened? What was the real success? In, in Baltimore, the defense, the real success was the, the, the weather, the home crowd, the defense. Yeah, he had a great playoff run, but the reason why they were getting the playoffs, the reason why they were winning record for Joe Flacco was that unreal defense. Same thing's going to happen with the Browns. And you end up owing guys money. So that's, that's what I have to say about the Browns. Um, anyway, Steve, you go on with your, uh, with your NFL takeaways. I'll give the rest of mine after I've gone too long. Yeah, I didn't really get to watch a whole lot of NFL football this weekend. I was on the way back from that shit box known as Tallahassee, Florida. Um, didn't get to watch my Awful Seminoles place. play and get beat by 60. But anyway, um, a couple games that caught my eye were uh, the, the Titans-Ravens. Uh, that was probably the, the best game, I think, on the Sunday slate. Uh, no love lost there since the last, uh, you know, since last year's playoff matchup. And uh I thought the Ravens were going to be able to pull away in this one. They were up 21-10 at one point in this game. And uh, it kind of reminded me of the, of the Steelers game they played earlier this year where they get ahead by two scores and they can't seem to put the team away. And that's the that's the Ravens for you. They, they just can't seem to get over the hump. And, that, and these are the games that really put them in that situation. They get up 21-10, one more score, and you put this game away, put it on ice. 
Instead, Tennessee keeps – they stick to their game plan. Uh, they ran Derrick Henry. He, he ran for, I believe it was 138, 133 and one touchdown and 28 carries. And Ryan Tannehill did his job. He threw for 259, two touchdowns, one interception. And then you look on the contrary, then Lamar Jackson didn't do his job. He's very, been very, I think, pedestrian uh, throughout this year than we've seen in his first couple years. Uh, he threw for 186, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, J.K. Dobbins throwing for 70 and one touchdown. But the Ravens aren't doing enough to get to win football games, and we've seen that last few weeks. You losing the Patriots really hurt them. This was a must-win, I believe, for the Ravens, and they just couldn't get it done. The defense has done a good enough job. The offense isn't doing, isn't carrying their weight. What they've done uh, last year, what got them to uh, 12 wins. And then another game uh, that that kind of surprised me was not not surprising, I would say, but Taysom Hill uh, for the Saints uh, got got the start there for, uh, for uh, in place of Drew Brees and. He, he did everything that you could have asked for him to do, and he ran the ball well, ran for 50 yards, one touchdown, and distributed the ball uh, throughout the air. And it, I think people were kind of concerned of what he was going to do filling in for Breeze, such big shoes to fill, and got the job done and got a pretty convincing 24-9 to win. But uh, those are the two games that I thought that, that were I would keep my eye on. And uh, Saints are rolling, and I think the Ravens are in, in, in deep trouble here. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that segues into our first big topic here. You know, are the Ravens and Bucks kind of were, – were, were we overrating them coming into the season? You look at Baltimore at this point, they've got a worse record than Cleveland. And, and so you look at that division, it goes Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore. You had a lot of people that said Baltimore is going to run away with this division. And I think there, there's a big problem in Baltimore because Lamar, they really want to stick with him. They think he's their future. But at the same time, you've got a top-five defense – You've got a good offensive line. You've got the running backs. Receivers, they could definitely help Lamar out a little bit on the receiver end. But you should be winning football games with that team. There's been games, like you said, they were up 21-10 to 10 on Tennessee. They should win that game. They should take it home. So 6-4 and four record when a lot of people thought, oh, this team's going, you know, 14-2, and two, 13. You know, you, you get Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe and you get all these guys and you got this loaded defense and now you're 6-4 and four. So I look at Baltimore, who do I think they're going to beat? I think they would beat a Cleveland, but I don't know if they could beat Buffalo. I don't think they beat Pittsburgh. I mean, they play Pittsburgh again on Thanksgiving. They might go 0-2 versus Pittsburgh in the in the regular season. They're not going to beat Kansas City. Uh, I don't even think they could beat Miami. I think Miami's defense would shut down Lamar. So uh, the Ravens went from up here all the way down here. Do you think the Ravens are done? Uh, I don't believe that the Ravens are done, but I do think that they're done in the AFC contender uh, slot for me. So basically what I'm saying here is, is like, I would have the, I, all right, for me in the AFC, I have Chiefs, Steelers, and probably the Colts and Titans as potential teams to come out of the AFC. Now, obviously the Chiefs and the Steelers hold a bit more weight over the, over the Titans and the um the Colts but the Ravens were once in that in, in that um that grouping and people were sitting there like oh this is Ravens revenge tour they're coming back like Lamar's got it this year he's gonna get that playoff win they're they're gonna go on to to take on Mahomes in the AFC championship game you're gonna see Jackson Mahomes or you'll see Jackson in the AFC championship game I don't see it I think that they get bounced round one again Lamar Jackson, and I don't think it's Lamar Jackson's fault. 
you look at Lamar Jackson's stats, I, I know that he's not the prettiest sort of the football, but he's hardly the reason why they lose. That O-line, not a fan. Not a fan one bit of the defense. The defense is horrible. The Ravens' defense is terrible. So I agree that they are out of the contender you know, picture. I, I wouldn't say they're done per se, but for them, I mean, with that roster and that organization, they were saying Super Bowl this year. We want to go to the Super Bowl. We want to go to the AC Championship game. I think both of those are off the table. I mean, so I guess in that sense, you can say they're done. But I know for you, you like to, you know, you would text me a couple times during, you know, during the or Lamar Jackson game, like, you know, that throw wasn't good or told you, do Lamar Jackson doesn't have it. And, and in a way, like, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think that the Ravens' problems are Lamar Jackson. I think that defense is horrible. So, so do we think it's coaching? Uh, because like, I, I look, how does that defense with all those names suck? You know, and they, they've, they've been pretty bad this year. You look at John Harbaugh at that point to me, because again, you get Calais Campbell, you add in Gawkway, they already had all these dudes and they can't, they, they can't stop anything. So I feel like it's gotta be coaching at this point. I think it's more of like, I think it's like, I, I would agree. I think if it persists, um, you know, the last, I look at these last, uh, five games they play six games and they play the Steelers this weekend, like you said. And then after, if they don't win this week and they're six and five, I really think they run the table and they go 11 and five. They play the Cowboys, Browns, Jaguars, Giants, and Bengals. I mean, oh, yeah. the last five games. So they're going to finish 11 and five, but back to what you're saying, the coaching thing is, I think it's the philosophy that the, the coaching staff instills. Um, I noticed this in the Bucks game Monday. We'll get to them next, but um, it, it, it's the it's the mindset you bring when you go on the field. Like if you play that prevent defense and you're sitting back, waiting around first half of the game, you're getting scored on, then you turn it around second half, and, and you start to make adjustments. That's the your, your philosophy's off. You've got to come out there right away and just pr- put pressure on the QBs. Just go into the game. We're gonna go all out, and if we're gonna get beat behind us. So be it. But I want to get beat putting pressure on the quarterbacks. And that's what the Ravens aren't doing. They're getting beat by methodical drives and they're, they're, there's no way they can stop it right now. I, and I think the coaching staff needs to adjust with the play con on offense as well. I think Lamar Jackson's putting in, getting put in situations where he's not able to, to succeed. Like I said, I think last pod, uh, they're trying to make him a pocket passer when he wants to roll out and run and, and throw on the run as well. And that's who he is. That's who he was in college. And they're trying to make him something he's not. So I think that, and like CJ said, the offensive line is atrocious and it's not giving him the opportunity to do that. So it, it's a mix of a little bit of everything that the Ravens are going through. But I think the last five games of the year against pretty you know weak opponents, I think might give him some confidence and work on some things. And um, we'll see, but I don't think they're done per se. Uh, They'll make the playoffs, and the NFL, you just never know. It's one game. Uh, you, you string a couple games together, and, and you maybe back to where you were last year. But I think they have a lot to work on if they want to get past round one because what we saw this weekend against the Titans is they just said, hey, we're going to give to Derrick Henry, and good luck stopping it. And they couldn't – they had no answers for him. So they got to make some adjustments pretty quick here, or they will be uh, round one exit and um, Lamar's uh, – you know, playoff struggles will continue. Yeah. And, and, you know, the same thing you, you mentioned it, the same thing's kind of happening over in Tampa with, with Bruce Arians and the way he's been leading that team. Uh, a lot of people all over sports media have been complaining about Bruce Arians this week. Play calling was not the best. Uh, when you're watching those bucks games, at least for me, 
Looks like the Bucks are trying to force everything. They they look desperate. They're trying to force their hand, and it's like just play your game. You got Tom Brady. You got all these weapons. Just have you know it, it like Tom Brady a few times. He went for these big throws. It's like what did Tom Brady do in New England? He was basically a dip and dunk quarterback. Keep doing that. Go for these little plays and methodically go up the field. And I feel like Tampa's like, well, we got Godwin, we got Evans, we got Antonio Brown. We got to give these guys their 30, 40-yard catches. And I remember even you, Steve, you said before the season started, you were like, I'm a little worried about all these tools on offense. We didn't think it would actually come back and bite them. But maybe too many weapons. You got three wide receivers that all expect these big plays and Brady isn't able to get it to them anymore. And I'm not ready to jump off Brady just yet. He's still Tom Brady, but he clearly cannot throw the football like he used to. So again, I think for them, stick to that defense because their defense is fantastic. It's still top three against the run. Just use Brady the way Belichick used him. Dip and dunk passes, go to the running game a lot. They just need to coach differently. What do you think, Steve? You're a Bucks fan. Yeah, uh, watching that game Monday night was probably one of the more frustrating games uh, I've watched this year, along with the Giants Monday night football game, because uh, they they, mo- they mirrored themselves. Uh, starting on offense, uh, they've tried to run the same halfback dive every first down, and that sets up the play call. And Bruce Arians and that coaching staff, they want to run the ball so bad that uh, they're they're throwing off their whole game plan to start off with. You can't run the football. And they want to keep forcing that hand, like you said. They keep forcing plays that aren't working. And then it sets up Brady to go in second and long, third and long. And now these now they're trying to go deep. And they, they threw a good stat out there. The last four games, he's 0 for 19 with two picks on the deep ball. Oh, it's not man. working. That's Stop bad. trying to do it. And I think the coaching staff is being so adamant on trying to keep doing the same things it's really throwing the whole team off. Look at the first few games they played this year, throwing to Scotty Miller, throwing to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin within 10 yards. And they're going on methodical five, six minute drives and you're scoring 40 points in a game, but now they want quick strikes. Um, It's not working. It's not going to work. And they're going to be in deep trouble if they don't make the adjustment, because we've seen it the last few weeks is Brady's throwing more interceptions because he's throwing it 20 plus yards down the field. And that's not who he is. New England, it was, hey, throw it here to Edelman. Throw it to Gronkowski, five yards. Five yards here, five yards there. Two plays, you have first downs. Now we're getting away from who they who they are, who Brady is, and that's spewing trouble. Now, on the defensive side, I think they're in trouble. They're, they've gotten exposed. And the teams that give them fits is the teams that spread it out. Look at the Rams. They go no huddle, tempo. They can throw it around to Cooper Cup, all these guys, and they can't tackle anyone in the open space. And the Saints demolish them two times, and they do the same thing. They spread out to Michael Thomas, Kamara, Drew Brees can dial it up down the field. The defense is a lot to, to work on, and I think this football team is good enough to make the playoffs. I think they'll be fine. Um, the Chiefs, tough game this weekend, but they played the Vi- uh, Vikings, Lions, and uh, Falcons twice. Um, the defense has got to get a lot better. Good football team, but not good enough to make a run the playoffs as of right now. But need to make some adjustments if they want to be, you know, taken seriously from here on out. Yeah, um, I, I would say that my uh, my quick, um, I would say that my quick analysis on the Bucks would be that Tom Brady, I feel like, has abandoned what he was in New England and. 
I don't think that's all his fault. <clears throat> he doesn't necessarily call the plays. Now, you know, that there are some quarterbacks uh, over the years that just have that respect and that talent that they get to the line and they're going to change the play. They call their own play. Let's look at Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning. Tom Brady's probably play, probably chosen to switch many plays, but it gets to the point where it's like Bruce Arians. Tom Brady's not a gunslinger. He's never been a gunslinger in his career. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, what, what, why is Brady throwing four verts like every other play? The guy's 43. His arm isn't Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes' arm can go four quarters of throwing 40 deep balls if he wanted. That's not Tom Brady. And I just, I don't know. The, the thing about, you know, Brady was is like what Steve said. He, you know, he, he was extremely deadly accurate thrower between, <clears throat> between anywhere between eight to, to about 20 yards anything in that wheel that was his wheelhouse it was like it was you knew it was going to be on the money he'd put it in any window he never made his money on being a deep ball thrower and the last time he was a good deep ball thrower he had hall of fame randy moss on his team that was a long time ago and the reason why tom brady was always able to win with those no-name wide receivers plus julian edelman was because he was able to hit anyone that was worth a damn running around between eight and 20 yards and he could always hit them yeah so why they're moving Brady to this, like, hey, you have weapons, you need to you need to unleash your arm now because that's what you came here for, right? It's just ridiculous. You're not gonna win football games like that with Tom Brady because that's not the quarterback he is. You're better off you you were better off signing Matt Stafford if that was the case. And the the last thing I'll say about the Bucks is I don't feel like that team's got the same mindset that Tom Brady has. Tom Brady's got a steel, steel mindset, which is like we're winning football games. No moment is bigger, is bigger than us. And I just feel like the Bucs get in these primetime games and a lot of these guys shrink, notably the O-line. I don't, I'm not the big, I'm not a big fan of the Bucs O-line. I'm not a big fan of the, the Bucs running back situation. Fournette looked awful yeah, the, on Monday night. He was dropping balls left and right out of the pocket. You yep. can't have that. Fournette, Fournette thought that this was going to be a revival for his career going to Tampa. It is not. It's made it even worse. I don't. Fournette is a project for any team to take on past the season. Um, and I got to tell you, man, Evans, Mike Evans looked good, but he, but he, his stats and and his pay is going to be reliant on those big plays down the field, big throws down the field. That's just not who Brady is right now. You know who's going to be, you know who's going to be the most key to Tom Brady's offense going forward, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, he actually looked like he had a real chemistry with A.B. A.B. was making its quick slants. A.B. was making quick curls, quick feet underneath. I'm telling you, Brady to A.B. going forward is what's going to get them propelled into the playoffs because they have a really tough week this week. But I think Brady and the Brady A.B. connection is worth a, a really good watch. But I will say, though, uh, outside of that and the Brady woes, I think a lot of it comes down to Arians. I think Arians is just like Arians is really stubborn. And I, and I, he wants this to be his team, not Brady's team. I, I feel like that's the chemistry there outside of that. I like the Bucks defense and the Bucks defense will always keep them competitive. Yeah. And I, real quick too. One last thing real quick. Uh, I think two on primetime games. Uh, if we noticed, I think the Bucks coaching staff kind of, gets caught up in the, in the big moment. It's the, the, cause you look at it beginning of that game, the defense was lackluster and the third quarter, third, fourth quarter, that defense was on a tear, pressuring the quarterback, blitzing, getting on them. And then Bruce Arians changed up the play calling and they're moving the ball down the field. So I think along with the team on the field, 
I think the coaching staff, the moment gets a little too big for them too. But that's what I, that's my takeaway as a fan. I kind of see that, but I don't know if anyone else sees that, but I think the, the, the big games are a little too much for the coaching staff themselves as of right now. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're all kind of hitting, you know, similar points, but in different areas, you know, like there was even one point in the game where uh, you could even see them trying to adjust as a coaching staff. There was one play sequence where they went to AB three times in a row and it didn't work. And that was after a drive where they tried to go deep and you're like, wait, what's the game plan now? You're, you're basically showing your hand. Okay. Well, the deep ball is not going to work. So we're going to try AB short and it definitely, it looked obvious. So when you're, whenever it looks obvious that you're changing your play calling in the middle of a game, you know something's going wrong and you know they don't know what they're doing. So they just need to adjust because, I mean, they literally, they threw to A.B. He got like three yards on the sideline. Then he had a little mid route and then they gave it to him on a rush. And it was like, what are you doing? Why are you giving it to A.B. on a rush? He went backwards. So they need to really figure out what they're doing play calling wise. And once they do that, because they have the weapons, you you can give Mike Evans his stats by giving him 10 catches for five, six yards, right? He'll get his stats, give him five, six, you know, 10 catches a game, five, six yards, and a touchdown. He'll be happy. Same thing with Gronk, right? Gronk's the perfect guy. I think his relationship with Brady is going to be key too because Gronk's one of those guys that you can get in those five to 10-yard ranges. Gronk doesn't have the agility that he used to. He doesn't have the speed that he used to. So he's going to be the perfect guy to get on those short routes and uh, yeah, that's basically how I think I think all three of us agree how the Bucks are going to go forward here. So now we're going to move into this this Colts Packers game, man. Packers were up, Colts come back, win the game. I, I, I sound like uh, you know I've been beating the same drum, but the Packers lose every big game that they play. I, I was going to this weekend. I wish I had said it on the pod that I thought the Colts were going to win uh, because I did. Now, I, I thought the Colts would win because of their defense. They still gave up 31 points. This this win for me for the Colts makes them even bigger contender for me because I didn't think they had it in them to score 34 points like that and outscore an Aaron Rodgers Green Bay offense like that. They played phenomenally well. This was their worst defensive week by far, but that's okay when you're facing Aaron Rodgers. You can struggle a little bit as long as you win the game. I think uh, you said your rankings earlier, CJ, with the AFC – and you had Chiefs, Steelers, then Colts. I'm right there with you. I have Buffalo right under that. And then, you know, whatever. It's a mix of every other team. Who cares? But that's the top four in the AFC. Colts are 100% legit. I'm actually not as off about Phillip Rivers as I was a few weeks ago. I was kind of like, well, you know, Phillip Rivers kind of limits this team a little bit. Not really. If you can go in and you could beat the Green Bay Packers and score 34 points and keep your team in the game, you're doing your job. So, I like this Colts team a lot. So I guess there's two questions here. Are the Colts legit and are the Packers overrated? Uh, We'll start with CJ. Yes and yes. Um, I believe that the Packers are overrated, but the thing is, is their rating isn't like, you know, crazy, like overrated. They're they're a top team, top 10 team in the league. But the thing is, is the NFC isn't really as good as people thought it would be. Yep. So what are, what's their record? Seven and three? Probably. I'll look in a second. So, yeah, let me know what their record is. But regardless, I don't think it's really that hard for the Packers to be a top seed in the NFC because they're yeah, going to win their division. They're seven and three. Yep. Yeah. So look, they're seven and three. So you can't overrate them too much because they're seven and three. 
but they're just not a very good seven and three football team because their defense is not good. Uh, outside of Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and Aaron Rodgers, ugh, that team is like blah, not good. Um, and I think the Colts are legit. I mean, the Colts play great football. They, they have an awesome defense. They play to win. They always believe in themselves. I love the coaching staff. I got to tell you, Phillip Rivers is a great bridge QB for them. And I hope that they go out in this draft and they, they just get their quarterback. In the future yes. Because they're just one, they're one, they're, they're a future quarterback away from the Colts being back to the Andrew Luck days, the Peyton Manning days, because they're that good. And it's like, if Andrew Luck never, like never retired, you would be talking about this team to legitimately be like top three Super Bowl odds. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so yeah, anyway, I, I I agree that the Packers are a bit overrated. Uh, I haven't seen them have like a crazy like other than the like I, I, they had like a, one one of their seven win, like a couple of their seven wins were like pretty pretty good wins. But other than that, they've they've just pummeled the, the lousy teams and the big teams that play hard nosed football. They're fragile. The Packers are fragile. Colts aren't. You 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 knew this coming from a mile away that the Colts were going to smash them in the mouth, and that's what they did. So I got the Colts being legit and the Packers being overrated. Yeah, like the the I just looked at the Packers wins. I think the only win you can go like, wow, nice was the Saints. They beat them thirty seven to thirty in Week uh, three, I think it is. But they beat Minnesota. Who cares? They beat Detroit. Who cares? Beat Atlanta. Who cares? They got crushed by Tampa. Beat Houston. Who cares? Lost to Minnesota at home. Uh, beat Forty ers but they're injured. Who cares? Beat Jacksonville by four. It's like. The, the, this is the same thing as last year. They're the worst. The, last year, they were the worst 13-3 and three football team that a lot of people had seen. And it's basically the same thing this year. What about you, Steve? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, CJ hit all you, you guys have hit all the points so far. I mean, I think the Colts are a team that no one really wants to respect, but they are gaining everyone's respect week by week because they're slowly – they're finding ways to win football games. I know Phil Rivers isn't the guy we've seen in the past, not, you know, sling, sling the ball around, but – Colts have a pretty good defense, and they, they get stops. Uh, they're very opportunistic. They get turnovers, and they, they find ways to beat you. And they're a patient football team. And, I, I mean, I like I wasn't a big believer in them. I didn't think Phillip Rivers was going to be the guy and you know, take them to, to where they are now, to 7-3. and three. But, you know, you have a big matchup this week uh, coming up here against the Titans. And I think if if they can find a way, you know, to beat Tennessee again, I, we, I think they are, you know, legitimate – contender going forward in the AFC and they just find ways to win. I not the most exciting team, but you know, they, they, they find their way. And on the opposite side of the football of this last weekend's game, uh, the Packers, they're just, they're not, they're nothing special. They, they find a way to blow up at the end of the game. Look what happened. They had the ball moving down the field and fumble cost them that who fumbled that football that who caught that and fumbled at the end there. You don't see that. I totally forget who it was. Who who do you know who fumbled CJ? The name's like I'm drawing a blank here, but anyway, they they just find a way to lose at the end of the game here. And Aaron Rodgers is doing everything he can, but the team's just not ready. Defensively, they can't stop anybody. And lose they've lost the big games against Tampa this year, beat the Saints, but they're very up and down. Like we just went through their whole schedule and they just can't seem to put some consistency together. They beat up on the bad teams and they split against, you know, your above-average football team. So I think the Packers going forward to the playoffs, right now it's supposed to be Tampa and Green Bay. I like the matchup there, but I think Green Bay is a team that goes one and done in the playoffs, um, and the Colts on their hand are, are 
one team that can surprise. All right, so now we're going to talk about some FAU football. They won again, and we're kind of looking at the schedule here and the way that the season's panning out. FAU might have a chance at having their first ever ranked season in the top 25. CJ, I know you're on this. Why do you think they could possibly get into the top 25? Well, look, they're starting to receive votes, and they're receiving votes after a pretty sloppy win against UMass. Yeah, we won 24-2 handily. It was never even a football game. But the reason why FAU is getting um, votes, in my opinion, is the defense. The the, the uh-huh. FAU defense has two of the nation's top ten sacks per game leaders, Leighton McCarthy and Jalen Joyner. Now, the rest of that defense is unbelievable. And I think people are real are recognizing what Willie Taggart's actually building here. If you look at that defense in the middle at nose tackle, you have Evan Anderson, who's massive, dude. That guy's like 6'3", 6'4", 300-something pounds. He's huge. And I know that like not all these things factor into necessarily like AP votes, but I just think that people are starting to recognize like, hey, FBU's having a damn good season down there. They haven't skipped too much of a beat since Lane Kiffin's gone. Yeah, the offense isn't as electric, but the defense is arguably even better. Um, and they've got a favorable schedule going forward. They, they're constantly climbing up the ranks. And yeah, if you look at any, you know, any websites, rankings like CBS Sports, they've been moving up every week. They're ahead of, they're ahead of huge teams, um, you know, and people are recognizing it. And, hey, if they went out, there's no reason why they shouldn't be top 35 looking at, looking at potentially sneaking into the top 25 after bowl season or maybe even being top 25 um, during the bowl season because there's a lot of teams uh, in the Power Five that aren't being able to play games, canceled, postponed. Uh, uh, power five teams not maybe not even be able to finishing out their schedule or not able to even play for conference championship games because of coronavirus cancel cancelizations and um look hats off to willie taggart and the staff uh i love what they're doing here and i do think that in the transfer portal they're going to need to go and get a quarterback and they're going to need to get some o-linemen that are ready to start immediately some bigger bodies maybe grad transfers i don't even know but our O-line's god-awful. Uh, JV on Posey, unbelievable on his legs. He's got some talent in his arm, but he's going to need to sit behind somebody next year and learn a little bit more, and I hope that they get that guy in the transfer portal. Um, but I'm I'm all behind JV on Posey the rest of the year. I want him to start every game. I want him to get every single rep possible. And, hey, if the, in the offseason, if they bring in a transfer portal guy and they're like, hey, the JV on, this is your competition, I love healthy competition. That'd be huge for the team. Um, but in terms of the defense, dude, those guys are rock stars. And a uh, special shout out to Matt Hayball, the punter, who gets a ton of national recognition 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 for uh, being the best punter, one of the best punters week in week out. Uh, that that could be a guy that you see in the league one day uh, from FAU. So uh, yeah, and then uh, really quick, last thing I want to say about FAU football for an alumni, like little alumni spotlight here. Trey Hendrickson leads the NFL in sacks. He's hey, Owl. He is in for a massive payday at the end of this year. I'm pretty sure this is a contract year for him. Um, it's awesome. You love to see that. And I don't think that FAU's ever had the sack leader uh, uh, in the NFL. So I, I'm hoping that he racks up all the sacks. I want him to have the sack crown. I want FAU to say that we've produced an, an alum that is the sack leader in the NFL. Not many schools are able to do that. Um, so anyway, come to the FAU, uh, let's get us into the top 25. Let's just keep winning. Just keep winning. I love it. I want to finish this season with one loss. I want to go into a bowl game. I want to play somebody decent. I, I want to play a very good G5 team, or I want to play a, a power five team that, that had a down year. Give me some FAU football and also FAU hoop starts tonight. ESPN plus we go in as 
four, four and a half point dogs. Interesting. Hey, you know, I really hope, and, and I think I saw as well, FAU defense, uh, I was just randomly watching ESPN the other day. They've listed were top five in least amount of yards allowed this season as a defense. So they're, they're up there with everyone in defensive terms. So Steve, I know you're a little, uh, uh, you're ready for your rant now. Steve's college football rant. Let's get it going. Yeah, so quickly, I'm going to touch on FAU real quick. Uh, you know, CJ kind of held the points. Uh, but this FAU team's for real. Uh, I had some, I, I had a ton of concerns this year with Willie Taggart coming in. How's it going to be? Are we 500? Is the, are we going to blow up what we did the last few years? Hey, you're sitting at 5-1 and one with three games left. You're getting AP votes. Um, I'm even looking at the college football playoff, which, you know, highly unlikely. But I'm looking at Iowa's in there at 3-2, and two, at number 24, Oklahoma State. I look at from 20 on, you have Coastal Carolina, Marshall, Auburn, Oklahoma State, and Tulsa. That's five teams right there. Even UNC's at 19 with two losses. There's six teams there that could lose and be out of the top 25. And if FAU runs the table to end the year, wins a bowl game, you will be in the top 25. And I think Willie Taggart's done a great job with the program. And it's really keeping you on pace to, you know, laying the next foundation to this program. You're getting – more athletes and I think you know you're going to keep recruiting he's a great recruiter you look at hey a COVID year all these teams are falling off not playing their games we've played them we're winning our only loss is to Marshall who we were missing what I believe 30 players due to COVID something like that I mean we were missing our whole team and to lose that game by 11 points you had it at the end Um, and they're ranked number number 21 right now in the college football playoffs so um a lot of great things from FAU. The defense is giving up 10 points per game, which is lights out. If you give up 10 points in a, in a college football game, you should win 95 to 98% of your games. And they're putting themselves in great position to win every week. Um, Posey back there at quarterback. I like what he's got. He can move around uh, him and Tronti. I think if you can mix them, those two guys in, uh, you know, kind of like what Florida does up there with Emory Jones and Kyle Trask, you kind of mix in uh, a dual style kind of play. And, I think he, he's got a lot of talent and he's only a freshman and the sky's the limit for that guy. And if he sits behind behind a quarterback that comes in as a transfer, like CJ said, dude, that guy can learn some valuable things and become a pocket passer and you know, take FAU to the next step and you know, win out this year. You play Florida next year. I think FAU's in a really prime position to do some great things. And that'll lead me to my, you know, my college football committee. I'm just going to kind of go in on that real quick. Seeing the, the rankings last night kind of threw me off a little bit. I was kind of pissed. Um, seeing BYU at 14, uh, I don't agree with it. I think that's way too low. They're 9-0, and I know they haven't played a whole lot. Uh, you know, Their schedule isn't particularly the strongest, but they did beat a number 21 Boise State team when they were ranked, and they beat them pretty convincingly, 51-21. to 21. And people say, well, they play no Power 5 schools. Cincinnati's played no Power 5 schools either. They've had two ranked wins, number 22 Army and number 16 SMU. All right, two top 25 wins, great. BYU has one. Why are they number seven and why is BYU number 14? What's the disparity? What's the difference? What's the criteria? And the reason this kind of pisses me off is because I see FAU one day getting to this spot. You know, what? what well, let's say this is FAU at 9-0, 10-0, and we've beaten a ranked team. Where do you put them? I just think it, it. their college football playoff committee is setting a standard that's disastrous if you don't expand this 
this playoff because you're seeing teams like UCF, like Cincinnati, BYU. You're seeing more and more, you know, group of five teams year in, year out making runs and they don't get their chance. They get their chance in a, in a New Year's Six Bowl, but, you know, that's, that's a good consolation prize, but you're not playing for the ultimate, you know, the ultimate prize. And real quick, um, I noted down BYU and Cincinnati, they both have two open weeks before the season ends. Someone was saying, I think on SVP the other night, is they might schedule a game together and a winner, I think, gets in or a winner puts themselves in a great spot to make an argument to get into the college football playoff. But um, I know, CJ, we were talking about this last night on, in the group chat about how we should expand the playoff yeah. to six. I think yep. six is the right number, six or yep. eight, but I think six is the, the, the perfect number because you see teams right now, A&M, Florida, with one losses – that really have strong cases to get in. So that's my thing on the college football, you know, committee. I think there's gotta be more transparency of what they're looking at because I think BYU is a great football team and people look at it solely on the eye test and who they've played. They've got a great quarterback, great offensive line, great defense, and they're not getting enough credit. I think. Yeah. I, I think what would be awesome would be a 16 playoff and then the first, the one in the two seed get a bye, and then you have two and then you have, three, four, five, six, play a quick playoff uh, around one. And then the last two teams standing are your top four. And then boom, you go right into the playoffs. And that, that would be, that for me would be the best thing that you could possibly do because what that does is, is every year, like I said, last night in the chat, there might not be eight elite teams, but every year there's six. Every year there are six teams that are – there are two teams that are left out that are 100% deserving to be in the top four. And there's always that one in the top four that you're like, hey, this five or six – this number five or number six team would have their day with, with, with this team. And then over the years it might have been at Oklahoma. might have been Notre Dame. It might have been whoever random team that's in that four slot or, or a team that's undeserving of the three slot. Now the one and two you can never really dispute – but you can always dispute the four slot 100%. So this gives the five and the six to say, a say it like, hey, hey, let's play a round one. And the, 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 the last two teams standing from this round one, we'll go on and play the big dogs one, two. I think that's the way it should be. Um, I'm, I think that the ranking for BYU is absolutely disrespectful. To be out of the top 10 for the college football playoff, it's unbelievable. They've got one of the nation's best young talents, a quarterback. They've got a great running back. They've got a great coaching staff. I love the defense. I love the O-line. There's no reason why they can't – they shouldn't be a top eight team. They would be they – would, they would go toe-to-toe with half the – more than half the teams in that, in that top ten, and I'm a full believer in that. So I don't understand that. I don't know if it had something to do with the whole University of Washington thing. Um, I do think that was a bit of an oversight by the athletic department at BYU. I think they should have 100%. But, yep, let's do it. Let's play. I'm down. We'll be there. And I think BYU would have gone in and won. I would have been like, you want us? All right, cool. We're going to go in and we're going to win. And then we're going to show the rest of the world, like, hey, we're not going to shy away from a Power 5 team. Boom. So I I think what it's turned into is basically in college football now, if you're not Power 5, if you're not going to win your conference, you're done. And that that causes so much – if you're another school, you're looking at it and you're like, okay, if we don't win our conference, if we're not in the big 10, we're not going to make the playoffs. That's not a good feeling. And that's not a good feeling for fans. When you go into a season, you're like, well, we lose one game. We're done. You know, like if you're in the sec, like Texas A&M up, oh, we lost a game. We now we got to fight for our lives. Hope that someone else loses. 
and then get in. That's that's what college football is like. And you have this yeah. team like BYU. They're not in one of those situations. So it doesn't matter what their record is, according to the committee. And that's not how it should be. Judge the teams on how they are. And honestly, and I know this year you can't really judge it like that because you can't play the other conferences, but you need to have more balanced schedules. Have these big teams playing other big teams because if the qualification every year is, oh, you have to be basically undefeated to make the playoffs, that's ridiculous because if you, you, you should be able to play other teams, have the big Big Ten team pay a, play a big SEC team every single year so that you're not sitting there like, okay, if you have one loss, you're out. Then everyone would have one loss, and then you're, you're basing everyone off of which team's better, and that's how it should be. And I love your idea. Make it that one through six and have the top two get the bye because the problem's always been whoever's number four, they get blown out, whether it's Oklahoma, whether it's somebody else. Every year that four seed gets blown out, and everyone's like, what's the point of even playing this game? I think a, a, a three through six playoff format would be a lot better because then you get this more even matchup. Like last year, like you said, you have the Floridas, you have the Georgias sitting on the outside, and you're like, okay, they could beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma has a dog shit defense. They give up 40-plus points a game, but they're only in there because they won the Big 12 and they're undefeated. So this has to change. Uh, And then every few years you see this random Pac-12 team get in just because someone else has one loss, and you're like, four SEC teams could beat that Pac-12 team. So – they need to change their philosophies over in college football, and I completely agree with you, both of you guys. Yeah, I, yeah, I, and, and like, thank quickly, God. What, what I was saying last night to a couple of my buddies was like, and Steve, I was like, dude, what the college, the college football playoff has been good to to bring a little bit more parity to to the situation to where there's not some committee saying, yeah, these are the top two teams that are going to play in the national championship game, which always was the SEC winner and the Big Ten winner, yeah, or or the Pac-12 winner, right? which wasn't very fair, right? So they go and they're like, yeah, 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 the top four, we'll, we'll do a playoff. Okay, cool, I like that. Okay, but then there's five, there's the five or six seeds are never in. And here's the problem with the college football playoff. Who who remembers the, like, seriously, who remembers the last Rose Bowl game? The la- like, like Justin Herbert played in the last Rose Bowl game. You're right about that. But the Rose Bowl used to be a huge game. It was a big yep. deal. It was like, you know, the Rose Bowl is on. This is like the best bowl outside of a national championship game. Like this is a massive bowl. Like if a team wins the Rose Bowl, it's like we didn't win the national championship game, but we won the Rose Bowl. Like that's a huge, uh-huh. huge <clears throat> victory. That's a, That's like America. Like America knows the Rose Bowl. Anybody who watched college football knows that that's a granddaddy bowl of all of them. That was like the national championship game before the national championship game. And then the Sugar Bowl. The Sugar Bowl was a huge, uh-huh. huge yep. bowl. These were like the elite bowl games. Like if you got into the Sugar Bowl, the Rose Bowl, this was like a national championship game, like a mini a mini version of it. Now what the, the problem with the college football playoff is, is they've diluted all of these other bowl games. No one cares about the bowl game anymore. I remember, like Steve will tell you, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl in, in wherever Florida, that actually always featured a couple of really uh-huh. good teams. And that was like a very fun bowl game. Who cares about that bowl game anymore? It's like if you're not in this top four, the rest of this bowl season is like, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And bowl season before used to be – it was extremely – there were bowl games outside of BCS bowl games that were prestigious bowl games to go play in, the Capital One Bowl or whatever. Like that mm-hmm. was always a huge bowl game. And now you're, you're sitting there, you're like – the wait, you're sitting there like, wait, the Sugar Bowl is played round one of the – 
possible playoff? What? There does, what do you mean? That's That should be its bowl game on its own. You know, like, isn't the Tostitos Fiesta yeah. Bowl or whatever? That used to be a huge bowl. That was a BCS bowl. Yeah. That's not – that's like in round one. No one cares about that game anymore. Yep. So why would you yeah. even do that? Why would the, the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl be in round one of the playoff? Like, why would you get a trophy before going to the national championship game? Why not make that bowl on its own? Why not have an elite bowl category and then you have your playoff? Yep. Makes no sense. And, and to your yeah. point – or Steve, sorry, Jacob, it's true. If you're not power five and you don't win your conference, who cares what you did this season? It's so frustrating. It's so, I'm always sitting here and I'm saying, like, I'm sitting here and I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm like about to say like, Hey, group of five, like make a super conference, just make a super conference with, with the powerhouse teams in the group of five and fight, fight for your lives down here. Seriously, that's the best route because you're never going to make it. It's becoming the it's point, so like, like you're, you're making a great point. It's because now it's there's four teams. And, you know, as I'm not, I equate it to, to being FAE fans because every year we look at it saying, hey, if we run the table, we get to a, a, a you know, New Year's Six Bowl. But if you're FAU and you lose one game to start the year against a an Ohio State, your season's really over. It really is. And being real about it, we know that if we win out, no matter what, you're not going to get the respect you deserve. So I think moving it to six games, it's going to give the incentive for teams to schedule harder teams. The room for error, you can lose one game and still have a chance. But it gives these teams outside looking in, like group of five, a chance if they go undefeated that they have the right, if they're the only undefeated group of five team, to be in the playoff and be the number six team and go in. I just think there's got to be some leeway for these teams to be you know, rewarded because if not, like CJ just said, just say fuck it and let's just go and make a giant conference of FAU, BYU, you know, put the American Athletic Conference, put the Sun Belt, put everyone together and say, guess what? It's going to be a gauntlet. Whoever comes out of that, you got to respect us because right now uh, it's looking like it's going to be Alabama Clemson for the fifth time, I think, or fourth or fifth time in the last five years. Yeah. And it's getting boring. I think. College football fans are getting tired of seeing the same crap every year, the same teams. Like I'm this year, I'm rooting for pure chaos. I'm rooting for Notre Dame to lose, Clemson to lose, somehow Alabama. I'm rooting for the underdog to get in, just to kind of fight, you know, kind of fight the power a little bit and get someone we haven't well, seen in you there. You know, and that's the shitty part of this season, though. I looked at the schedule going out. Basically, to, there's not a single good ranked game at all for the rest of the season. It's basically locked in. Like you, be, yeah. you might as well not watch college football until the bowl games start because the, the spots are locked in. Yeah, I mean, like you have UNC Notre Dame this weekend. Notre Dame should win that game. Yeah, exactly. UNC's like 19. they're going to win. They're, yeah. they're 19, quote unquote, but they're really not the 19 team in the country. They lost to Florida State, for God's sake. <laughs> and you got Clemson playing Pittsburgh. Um, Alabama's playing all the Iron Bowls this weekend. Did anyone know that was happening? Yeah, like yippee. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay, cool. They're going to beat Auburn by 50. And then the only game worth watching the rest of the year is if Florida and Alabama went out, will be Alabama and Florida in the SEC championship game. Right. That'll be the one to watch. And then Notre Dame and Clemson. But for the most part, uh, the spots are all locked in unless, like I said, pure chaos rains down. And, you know, then we're going to have some, some things to talk about if one of these, you know, top four, two of these top four teams loses. But in reality, betting, man, I wouldn't see that happening. All right, so we're going to transition here. Little NBA talk. We'll do a quick five minutes on it just because there's been so much happening. Uh, the Miami Heat in particular, I know, CJ, you're probably going to want to go into this. 
They re-signed Drogic two and thirty-seven. They re-signed uh, Myers Leonard two and twenty. They let Derek Jones walk, which kind of shocked me. He got a million dollars less than Leonard. I think he's the better player. He ends up going to Portland. Jay Crowder goes to Phoenix. So the Heat are, and then the Heat signed Avery Bradley. So they're doing a little retooling. I don't know if I necessarily like it. Uh, they also lost Solomon Hill as well to the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I, I still love the Heat as a team, and they gave Bam the extension as well. I keep thinking of new things that the Heat did, but uh, they haven't changed anything fundamentally. And I think honestly, they're setting up for next offseason. That's what it looks like to me. They're not looking to sign a Crowder to a $40 million contract when they look at next year free agency. And they say, even if we don't get Giannis, we'll get someone that's really high caliber. I think that's their philosophy right now. But if you look at the rest of the NBA, uh, I think the most improved team is the LA Lakers. You get rid of Rondo, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, um, and Danny Green, and you replace them with Schroeder, Marcus Gasol, Harrell, uh, and, and then they got one more guy. It's I'm blanking it in the head, but you you replace those four with those four. The Lakers, their complaint for me last season was they're they might be the best team, but they're not the deepest team. Now they're both. They are definitely the deepest team in the West. Probably the deepest team in the NBA. Uh, I went through their lineup and I did it in my notes the other day. You look at their lineup, and, and a lot of people have LeBron at point guard and they're starting five just because Schroeder was the best six man in the league. And they're thinking, and I'll, I'll just give the lineups out to explain my point. You got LeBron, Wesley Matthews, KCP, AD, Gasol as the probable starting five. And then on your bench, you've got Schroeder, Caruso. Alfonso McKinney, Kuzma, and Montrez Harrell, because now that you have Gasol, Harrell's probably not starting. And I don't think they put Schroeder in the starting five, because if you do, then your bench kind of is a little less strong. So I think they're starting five. They might dilute it a little bit by starting Matthews and putting Schroeder and Harrell as six men. But regardless, the Laker team is a lot better. They're a lot deeper than they were last season. Uh, you look at the Atlanta Hawks. I think they've improved their team as well. For now, at least, they're keeping John Collins. They uh, signed D- uh, Danilo Gallinari. They signed Rajon Rondo. They kept Capella from last season. Uh, the other day, they, ju- they just got Bogdan Bogdanovich, who everyone thought he was going to Milwaukee. Now he's in Atlanta. So I don't think Atlanta is necessarily a juggernaut. I think maybe they're an eight seed, but they definitely improved. Detroit, same thing. They got a few, uh, I guess you can call them role players, uh, in a few different spots, Milwaukee kind of retooling. They got Bobby Portis, DJ Augustine, uh, Boston replacing Enos Canner with Tristan Thompson, which I really like. Harold being replaced by Serge Ibaka with the Clippers. So there's just a, a bunch of little stuff kind of going on in the NBA. DeMarcus Cousins to the Rockets, uh, but uh, Gordon Hayward to the Charlotte Hornets is a big one. And that's really all that's happened so far. Really, I think what the NBA is waiting for what's happening with James Harden and what's happening with Russell Westbrook because it looks like those two want out and wherever they go, we'll see what happens. That's going to change the league. That's really going to be what this offseason is is going to be the signature move, what happens with Harden and Westbrook. But I like what's been going on. Again, Lakers have gotten a lot better and they just won the ring. Hawks have gotten a lot better. Heat did some retooling. Bucks did some retooling. And that's all I'm really seeing in the NBA so far. Uh, what have your been? Uh, what have your takeaways been for the NBA offseason, CJ? Um, I thought I thought the Lakers did an unbelievable job. I was very surprised that uh, Montrezl Harrell uh, left. Yeah, to the Lakers. I thought that was really weird. Um, I liked what the Atlanta Hawks did. 
the most, and I liked what the Suns did the most out of those two teams. Suns, yes. Say, uh, both those teams did some great things. I don't think that the Atlanta Hawks are just an eight seed. I think that they'll be they'll be in they'll they'll be like a six seed. I think they'll be better than the Sixers this upcoming year. If I'm going to be totally honest with you, I like that Hawks team a lot. I like the genetic makeup of it, and I also have the Suns as a, as a for, as a 100% lock for the playoffs. And outside of that, I could see them being a top seven seed. They might not even be the last seed in, in, in the West because I think they're going to be really good. So I would say that the NBA offseason hasn't been like crazy, crazy, because we don't know exactly where Harden's going to go yet. By the way, that guy's a fraud. Um, he is. Anyway, um, I don't know what's going to happen with the two superstars over in Houston with Russell and, and Harden. I, I don't know. But uh, James Harden, if you leave the Houston Rockets uh, to go to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you are a sellout. And you are just—it's just a criminal offense. But anyway, especially for the uh, the supposed reasoning of it. But uh, you know, we don't have to get into that. But um, yeah, you know, like four—he's come out like like two to two to three like different reasonings of wanting to leave. Account like I've heard an accountability thing. I've heard a, I've heard the owner doesn't see his politics the same way. I've see, I've heard that. Uh, he he doesn't think he can win a ring in Houston, and what is true. But you just hear all these reasons, and hey, they're personal reasons. Politics might play into his decision. I don't really know if it did or not. I think that he's panicking, and I think that he's he realized finally that he's wasting his career in Houston. But to leave for a Brooklyn Nets that already has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, who's going to look back on that championship and say, "Wow, James Harden, that was really impressive." I see people on Twitter and and Instagram try to compare Dwayne Wade and James Harden, who was better, and I'm saying. And I'm like, okay, sure, James Harden might be a better scorer of the Rock, but he will never have a finals performance that Dwayne Wade had in 06 against the Mavericks when Dwayne Wade was in his second or third year in the league. The guy averaged over 30 points a game, double-double, and carried the Miami Heat on his back. And, and all they had was an aging Shaquille O'Neal on, on the Miami Heat's team. So you're sitting there and you're like, I, I don't know. Anyway, I just – I don't I – don't, I'm, 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 I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I don't think it even works in Brooklyn if it's all three of them because it they doesn't. all want the ball all the time. What was the problem in Houston? They couldn't just it what it doesn't work. It doesn't right. work. Right. Like they all want the ball all the time. It's not possible. I mean, you're gonna have Harden dribbling for 30 seconds. Kyrie's gonna be in the corner, like, dude, give me the ball. And Katie's gonna be like, I need my 40 a game. It's not gonna work. So I don't see why they would do it. Yep. I don't even know who else could take the Harden contract. We'll see. I mean, it could play out really interesting. I feel like Low key, you could see a Clippers move. Uh, like I feel like a really low key thing would be they switch out Paul George for Harden because Paul George was awful, and Kawhi might be like, I need a real shooter that can actually score. I feel like if there's a blockbuster crazy thing that happens, there's 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 no basis in what I just said. There's no rumor, but if there's a shakeup and a team that could afford it, it would be the Clippers. So uh, let's get into these picks, though. We got instead of Better's corner this week, we've got Thanksgiving corner. So we got. Texans, Lions, Washington Cowboys. By the way, what the fuck are you doing, NFL? These are like the worst two games you could have possibly put on Thanksgiving. They could have had something better. Uh, but well, the Lions, every year, every year, the Cowboys and the Lions play on Thanksgiving. Yeah, like it. Default. Yeah, I get that, but it's like have them play someone better. Like you know, Washington, <laughs> it's not going to be a good team. Have Dallas play someone that like last year they had Buffalo. That was a great game. They could add something like that, but. Uh, so the Texans Lions game minus three Houston is the line. They got a minus three Dallas line, and then they got minus five and a half for Pittsburgh, which is actually a really big number uh, considering they're playing Baltimore. Uh, Pittsburgh's home. That's the eight twenty game on Thanksgiving. 
Uh, so if I'm going to pick, uh, I'll take the Houston minus three. I really like what Houston did last week. I had them winning last week. Actually, I didn't say it on the pod, but I did have them winning. Uh, Detroit just got blanked by Carolina. I don't trust them at all. They had a little tiny shot of having a playoff hope, and then they ruined it against Carolina. I think they're deflated. They're done. Washington, Dallas. I don't even know if I want to pick this game. Both teams are equally terrible, so you can't put much stock into either one. Um, I, I bet against the Cowboys last time, and I was wrong. I'll go Washington. I think they upset win on Thanksgiving, and it would make my Thanksgiving if Washington did that. And then Baltimore and uh, Pittsburgh. I'm going to go Pittsburgh. I don't know if they cover minus five and a half, but they'll definitely win the game. So I got Pittsburgh. What about you guys? Oof. Well, I do agree that these the, the thanks, Thanksgiving slate leaves much to be desired. Um, but I will say this. I will take the Texans minus three. I would take the Washington football team plus three. And I would take the Steelers minus five and a half on the third for the Thursday night, eight twenty NBC slot. Um, five and a half is a lot though. Five and a half is a lot though. It is. But it's in Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, that doesn't really matter too much. I don't think they have fans there, but yeah. I mean, after what I said about the Ravens, I have to go Steelers here. If the Ravens fall to six and five, Pittsburgh minus. Five. Actually, I think Ravens cover the five and a half. I think the Ravens cover the five and a half, but at the Steelers will win the football game. So there you go. That's my, those are my picks. So I got uh, Texans minus three, Washington plus three, and then Ravens plus five and a half, but the Steelers will win the football game. All right. Yeah, I'm on the same with, uh, with you all just about. Uh, I'm taking Houston uh, minus three. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I like what he's been doing the last few weeks. He's been very underrated this year. Uh, 20 TDs, five interceptions. I like them to uh, – to cover heavily against the, the, the Lions. They, the Lions got shut out 20 to nothing against the Panthers this past week. So I think the Texans will take that one. Uh, Redskins and Cowboys. Yes, I'm calling the Redskins. Uh, I will not be calling the Washington football team anymore because they're the Redskins. Uh, that, that's it's Thanksgiving and I'm going to call the Redskins today. Um, I like the Cowboys in this matchup. Um, I don't know. I just don't think Washington has enough offense to, to get it done. I think it's to be closer than people think, but I think the Cowboys will cover it back door and the primetime game Ravens, Ravens, Ravens. I'm going Ravens money line. Ooh, I am calling it. Everyone's off the Ravens wagon. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just going to go away from the popular pick Steelers are 10 and 0, you know, law of averages. Do you think they go 16 and 0? No, I think this will be the game. If they're, Going to lose one. I think this will be the one. I think everyone's, I think the Ravens are bounced back, uh, find some things out. And if they win this game, it can go a long way for their Ravens confidence and the rest of the way. Like I said, the last five games for Baltimore are very weak. This is pretty much their last game to really show everyone that, hey, we're legit. We can make a run. We can we can compete with these big teams. So I like the, the Ravens money line here. And hey, seven and four and six and five is a huge difference. So they they really they're going to feel the pressure. And you're right. I mean, you're ten and zero. You're going to lose one at some point. Not a lot of teams go six and sixteen and zero. So it's and and plus, the, one of the most difficult things to do in the NFL is to beat a team twice. And this within I think like a month long period. They played them like three weeks ago. So it's tough to beat a team twice in four weeks. So it, it could happen. I'm still going Pittsburgh, but we'll see. Uh, and then. I'll just go real quick. There's some good games this weekend. We could pick the lines here. Titans, Colts. They've got Colts minus three right now. 
that's the second time they're playing in three weeks. Uh, and then you've got Chiefs Bucks, Chiefs minus three and a half. Uh, and then they got Bears Packers. They got the line minus eight and a half Green Bay. And what an epic collapse for Chicago, man. Like they are, uh, what a collapse. So I guess for these ones, I'll go Colts minus three. I think they cover. I think they win. They're a really good football team. I like them a lot. And yeah, no, the Chiefs will cover against the Bucks minus three and a half. Bucks will fall to seven and five. And then, yeah, uh, I don't know if the Packers cover minus eight and a five, eight, uh, minus eight and a five, but I think they do win the game. What about you guys? This will be the week, I'm telling you right now, where the Bucs are going to come out and somehow beat the Chiefs and, you know, look like crap against in these primetime games. And they'll come out and, and play like world beaters against the Chiefs. But that line's interesting. But if, if the Bucks defense doesn't adjust, then the Chiefs will cover that, I think, pretty – it could be a nightmare for Tampa if they don't figure out how to stop Mahomes. So that game could be 40 to – be like the Saints blowout. So, uh, I mean, I would take the Chiefs all day there. Uh, the Colts. Um, what, real quick, though, on that note, there's something about Brady lining up on the other side of the field of Mahomes that he – Yeah, that's true. I'm not saying that he is going to lose the game, but the game is closer. And I don't know if it's a mental thing with Mahomes, but I don't know. I think every game that Mahomes played against Brady, it, Brady either won or it was really close and the Chiefs won. So, I think that's, I think that's just going to be a very good football game. Yeah, good point there. Uh, Titans game. I like the Titans. Um, I think Derrick Henry, when they just say, Hey, you're getting the ball, try to stop him." I think teams haven't found an answer for him. Uh, when they, when the Titans get in trouble, they turn the ball over. I think if they protect the football in this game, um, they'll be well on their way. Um, I like what they're doing over there. I I'll take Tennessee, uh, at the points and the primetime game with the Packers, uh, bears are banged up is I think, I believe Nick Foles is out. Am I right? Yeah, he's, he's out. So I'll take the Packers and the points. I think that, that the bears can't score enough. The defense is starting to get shredded. I know Nick Didiana wants to think the bears has this elite defense. They suck. They only have Khalil Mack. Uh, I'll take, the, I'll take the points all day for green Bay. All right. So, uh, CJ, you got picks for those games? Um, this is some, these are some weird lines this week, uh, but I will say this. I like the Miami Dolphins to have a massive bounce back week against the Jets. Right now, they're of course favorites. Hey, listen, we didn't look very good in, in Denver. We looked terrible. And the, the Denver defense had, had our offense figured out pretty quick. Um, the defense was – our defense was still good enough to keep us in the game long term. I think Tua has his best game of the season yet. I think Tua throws – for three touchdowns against the Jets, I think it's about. I think it'll be probably like a twenty-eight to seven Dolphins win. Um, I like the Bills minus five and a half as well. Uh, I think that line's kind of low. Maybe Vegas does something we don't, um, and the Chargers keep it close. Maybe I don't know. But Herbert going. Herbert's to good though. What was that? Herbert's good though. But I agree with you. Cold weather. No, is Herbert, good. Herbert's good though. But I, I don't know. Like that's a weird. That's a weird line. That, that, that's one of those lines that Vegas knows more than than we do. Um, and then lastly, I would take the Jaguars plus seven against the Cleveland Browns because it's sloppy, sloppy, sloppy games. And I think the Browns win by like a field goal. So that's that. Hey, that's how they've been playing all year. That's what we've been saying. I mean, they got to get that separation offensively. And I don't know if Baker's that guy, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, that'll do it for this pod. We covered a lot today, went over the whole league in the NFL, went over some NBA free agency. 
Steve and I will have a baseball pod probably sometime later this week after Thanksgiving. Uh, we can enjoy the holidays and stuff like that. Charlie Morton just signed with the Atlanta Braves. So we'll talk about that. And then we're going to do a bunch of other free agent predictions on that pod as well. Um, so, yeah, that's this pod. Strictly hockey, probably within the next week as well. And Strictly Yankees, Strictly Rangers taking a little break because it's the off seasons and then we'll have those back soon. So you can find all of our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter at Strictly Sports P and on Facebook and Instagram at Strictly Sports Productions. For Steve Cashin and CJ Yuri, I am Jacob Brown, and we will see you next time.